what the Bible says about healing, and then we're going to talk about I had that up there. If you go, can you move it? I was going to leave it like that. Would that be all right? If you move that thing, it's liable to, liable to pull it. There you go. That's good. Now, I'd rather not hold it if I can get out of holding it. Would that work all right like that? That's all right. Okay. That'd be all right. Yeah. Will that do all right? Will that do all right like that? Okay. I'll, I'll be careful with it. <laughs> But we're going to talk about the scripture, what the scripture says, and that's mainly what we're going to be doing tonight is looking at some scriptures about healing. And then we're going to get into why we're sick and why we suffer and why even some Christians suffer. We may get into that tonight. We might not. Then we're going to talk about how to stay healthy. And I may have some additional speakers come in and uh, share some uh, in the different classes. Then we're going to talk about how to minister healing, and hopefully we'll get into some of the uh, things about the healing of the whole person. I told you as we started out that I cannot answer all the questions. I have seen scoundrels get healed, and I have seen saints die, and there are all kinds of ramifications of that, and I can speculate. But uh, I found that it is better not to do that and to just go with what the Scripture says and leave the rest of it up to the Lord. So I'm quite sure in going through healing, you can uh, give me some instances that I will not be able to explain. But I think uh, we don't have complete understanding. First of all, uh, when you talk about why do the righteous suffer, you're not always sure they're righteous. Uh, they might be righteous as far as Christ is concerned, and he's in them, but there may be some forgiven, unforgiven sin or some resentment and bitterness or things that you're not even aware of uh, that uh, play into that. So I think we have to remember that as we get into this subject. So let's begin with a word of prayer tonight. Father, we just thank you for what you tell us about scriptural healing and what you tell us in the scripture about healing. We thank you, Lord, that um, it is your purpose not only to take care of our souls and our spirits, but also to take care of our bodies. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we pray, Father, that you would... Um, speak to us tonight through your word and that we might ground what we believe about healing in what your word says rather than in our emotions or in our logic and we pray in the name of Jesus amen now last time I spent some time talking about the necessity to overcome the anti-supernatural bias that we were all educated in. We live in a world <clears throat> that acts as though God does not exist. And now that's not always been true with people, but for the last, I would say, 60 years in America, uh, we have lived in that kind of culture. And so it is very difficult for us to believe in the supernatural. 
it is very difficult for us to move in the supernatural. And we all have to overcome a lot of baggage when we get into that. And so I think it's uh, that we have to say that and we have to deal with that and we have to realize that this causes us uh, some difficulty and uh, some lack of understanding in this area. Last week we not only taught about healing, but we actually practiced healing here. And I think it might be good uh, we had a healing here. And uh, I think it might be good for the one who experienced it to kind of tell you what happened last week uh, as we prayed. It was Lindy Roach. And Lindy, why don't you, you want to stand up and, and let them know what happened last week. Arms for a couple of weeks, and I just asked them to pray, and it just went away. The next day, I had it for just a brief time, and I thought, Oh dear, what did I do wrong? But it went away again, so I just praised the Lord. Thank you. Now, now, when it came back, this was pain in your arm, and it instantaneously left because you had it when you started, and instantaneously left. And then the next day it came, how long did it stay when it came out? Just briefly, I thought, oh, I must have doubted or I must have, done, I must have done something wrong in believing, but it just went away again. I just praised the Lord and thanked Him. And how long did you have it this, the second time? Just, just maybe enough for me to notice that I had I it. And then it went, went away again. And so you exercised your faith. So. I, I tried as mm. best I knew. All right. I'm not sure you've always done something wrong when the pain comes back because that says if you do everything right, you'll be healed. If you don't, you won't. Now, we have uh, the Bible makes a parallel between healing and the atonement. And, of course, the atonement is the action of Jesus concerning your salvation. So you would not say, well, I'm not saved, so I must have done something wrong. In other words, I was saved, but I did something wrong. I lost my faith in salvation, so I must have lost my salvation or this kind of thing. Or you wouldn't say, well, I've got to be sure that I do everything right in order to be saved. And so I think we have to avoid that in healing. We can get into the, the, the thing where we have a works healing, which is in a way as bad as a works salvation. But it's interesting that it came back. Now some folks would say that the that whatever was wrong didn't come back, but Satan caused a symptom. Of course you never know. I mean you can't tell, but I think sometimes that's true. There's such a thing as uh, you all just come on come on uh, around here. That's all right. Just come on. I I started a little early. I know we had the the uh, open house and I started a little early, so you all come on in instead of bother me have a lot more than we had last week we start off with a small number and so I'm glad we have uh, so many tonight but um, sometimes I do know when a person has their leg amputated sometimes they will feel a pain in that leg they call it phantom pains so I think that your your psyche your your mental processes uh, the fear that Satan would put in you I think can bring symptoms and uh, sometimes we're not sick, we just have a symptom of a sickness. And we tend to feel that it, that it is. So I appreciate that. I kept 
or, or rather, she didn't tell me that. She went into deep depression, and she would not have anything to do with me. She wouldn't come to the chapel. I preached in the chapel there. She wouldn't have anything to do with me. And I didn't know what to do with her. And I went by, and I tried to minister to her, and she was very bitter at God. And I'll tell you something else. I was bitter at God. I said, God, here you've allowed this woman to go through this terrible rheumatoid arthritis all these years. And now on top of that, you gave her cancer. And I just can't understand that. And so I was really fighting through that myself. And so um, she was scheduled to go to the hospital and they were going to do some exploratory surgery to determine the extent of the cancer. The doctor told her it was evident that she had cancer. Well, the morning she's supposed to go, she called me and asked me if I would take her. And I knew it was more than that. She wanted to relate to me and relate to God. But it was very hard. And so I took her to the hospital, and we didn't say anything the whole way. And she got there, and they took her in a room, and they put the uh, hospital gown on her and put her on the, the, you know, the cart that they're going to wheel her down. And I went in her room. And I walked up to her, and she was lying there on the, on the table. And I've never felt as sorry for anybody in my life. And I found some strange words coming out of my mouth. I said, Cora, do you believe if I pray, God will heal you? And she looked up at me and she said, I don't know. And I said, well, I don't know either, but I got a feeling that he's not going to do it unless you believe it. <laughs> and she looked up at me and she said, I'll try. And I figured that was good enough for God. So I, I think I laid my hands on her. I'm not sure. I think I did. And I prayed. And I tell you, I felt so silly. I really did. I just felt, you know, this is wild. You know, this is Oral Roberts. This is tent stuff, you know. And here I was praying, and I prayed, and then I got in the car, and I went home, and, you know, I just, I even forgot about it. And about four or five hours later, the telephone rang on my desk, and it was Cora. And she was beside herself. She said, come get me. <laughs> they couldn't find any cancer and she was a lady and I hung the phone up and I was furious I was mad I said the idea of that doctor scaring her half to death telling her she had that cancer when she didn't have that cancer and I was mad and I got in the car I was going after him I was going to, I, I, before I went to the hospital I was going to his office and I got halfway to Stanford and it hit me. Well, just maybe she did have cancer. And just maybe we prayed, and just maybe God did something. Now, that was my first instance of that. I never knew. I never knew whether she had cancer or not. But I never forgot that. And then I went to my first church, and of course, I didn't do any of this or talk about it. Went to see a lady one day. And uh, she... Um, uh, was an army wife and she had uh, been bleeding for a long hemorrhaging for a long time 
and she had been to every doctor in the world, and they finally decided that they were going to operate on her brain, and they were going to do um, um, X-ray surgery on her brain. And she was telling me all this, and she was talking about it. And again, I felt this large compassion. Just, 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 uh, uh, you know, I was so sorry that she had to go through this. And I, I remember I reached out and I touched her arm. And I just prayed. And I remember thinking that I should not pray if it was God's will. Because I heard some fanatic preacher say that on the radio. And I wasn't sure that I believed what he said, but I remember that came to my mind. Because I used to pray, Lord, if it's your will, here, you know, you, you can do that. You say that, and then if God doesn't, you're all right. If he does, you're all right. You're safe. But anyway. Anyway. Uh, and, of course, one of my things was, not that I just wanted to be safe, but I didn't want to build anybody up and then just have them devastated when they weren't healed. But that day I forgot all about that, and I just reached out and I put my hand on her arm, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, would you, I don't remember her name. I said, would you heal so-and-so? And then I left. About two weeks later, I hadn't heard anything from her. I went back to see her. And she said, I'm going to tell you something you're not going to believe. She said, you prayed. And she said, that night, she said, I couldn't tell anything had happened right when you prayed, but that night, the hemorrhaging stopped. She said, I went to the doctor the next day, and he comes out, of course, when you're in the service, you go to all different kinds of doctors, you know. And he came out the next day, and he had a great big, uh, thick file, you know, about like this, big, thick file. And so he put it down on the table, and he examined her, and he said, I'm sorry, I have the wrong file. And he started picking the file. She said, Doctor, that's my file. He said, no, this can't be your file because you don't have any of the symptoms that are in this file or anything. And she was completely healed. You know, strange thing about it, she never did come to church. Never did. Never made any change in her life. Never came. I saw her, um, I guess it was a year after that in Sears Roebuck. I never will forget that. She, I saw her, you know, and I uh, recognized her instantly, and I went up to her, and uh, I punched her on the shoulder, and she turned around, and I said, I don't understand you. <laughs> I said, I really don't understand you. She's me. I said, God healed you. I said, he healed you super. You never had that again, had you? She said, no. I said, why don't you come to church? And I can't understand that. Have you ever accepted the Lord? Are you in the body or anything like that? No, no. And I said, well, I, I tell you, I, it, I think I, I don't remember. I hope I didn't say this, but I think I did. I said, well, if I'd been God, I wouldn't have healed you. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I feel that way sometimes. It's weird. Some people that, that, like you said, you felt like you did something wrong. Now, there is a dimension of grace in God's healing and in God's salvation. And we always have to deal with that. But you see, I came out of that and this kind of thing, and then it started bugging me because I realized that I couldn't just leave it alone. And so I went back to some of the uh, books on theology that I'd read through the years, and I read some Reformed theology, and um, most of it said that healing ended in the first century. 
and that the reason for the supernatural in the Bible was to authenticate the Scripture. And therefore, when Jesus came, he was the living Word. And the Scripture did not have to be authenticated anymore. And I read some theologians that were very good theologians. And I was very impressed with what they wrote, and I was impressed with the way they dealt with Scripture. And I'll tell you something else. I wanted to believe that maybe it wasn't true. Because if it wasn't true, I didn't have to deal with it. And I was scared to deal with it. And so I let these theologians convince me for about three days that healing ended in the first century. And then one afternoon, I was sitting in a bathtub. And uh, God speaks to me in strange places. And I was preaching in a church that night. And I, when I was an evangelist, I used to about 5 o'clock I would get a tub of water and I would get down in it in warm water and it would just relax me. And I, I would do that and I would pray usually when I was there or I might read the scripture or something. And I was sitting there and I was praying and all of a sudden Hebrews 11.6 came to me. And it says, If any man come to God, he must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And suddenly it was clear. If I could believe God is, and if I could believe that God would save, that's a supernatural activity, then I could also believe that God would supernaturally answer the prayers of people who prayed, or who, people who prayed to him. And so it settled it right there. Now that verse might not settle divine healing for you. But you see, the scripture does different things for different people. And we're going into some of the scriptures tonight and next Wednesday night of healing. And if you have any problem with it, just wait. And sooner or later, God will drop the truth into you. And I got out of that bathtub, and from that day to this, I have always believed in supernatural healing because God settled it in his word. He said, if you're going to come to me, you must not only believe I am, but you must believe that I will reward those who diligently seek me. Now, later I was healed, very dramatically healed, an instantaneous healing, kind of like the one you had the other night. Now, all healings aren't that way. Most of them aren't. Let me ask you, how many in this room have ever seen a miracle with your eyes? You have seen a miracle. Would you hold up your hand? All right. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. A little over half. How many of you have seen more than five? 1, 2, 3, 4. How many more than 10? All right, now, <clears throat> miracles are rare. They are rare. I don't know why, but they are. And instantaneous <clears throat> healing is rare. It happens. But that's not the normal thing. It's not even the super normal thing. <clears throat> because I don't think God acts one way spiritually and one way physically. 
For instance, when you go to the doctor and he gives you some pills, do you go home and take one pill? And you say, well, pain and dull, so we throw away pills. <laughs> no. You do not expect instantaneous healing. You expect it will be a process. First, you break your leg. You go to the doctor. He puts a cast on. Do you leave it on three minutes and then take it off? No, you realize that bone has to knit back, and it takes time. Now, who knits that bone back? Does the doctor do that? No, the doctor going in, knit it back? No, he just puts it next to each other. That's all he does. Who knits it back? God. How does he knit it back? Well, supernatural. But how? Quickly or gradually? Why didn't he do it quickly? I told you the questions I can't answer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, why he does it that way? He could. He could do it instantaneously. And that would glorify him. You know, wouldn't you think that if you broke your leg, went to the doctor, and the doctor said, well, I'm going to put this cast on here, and you say, Doc, you don't need that. You don't need Just put them together. Put them together right there. And they'll be healed. Now that would that would glorify the Lord. But most of the time, God works the same way, and He works gradually. So therefore, you can go to a doctor and you can get a gradual healing. You can be prayed for, and you can get a gradual healing. You can go be prayed for, and you can get a split second supernatural healing. I don't think you ever get that from a doctor. I don't think you ever do. That's rare, but it does happen. Um, it happened to me. I got an instantaneous healing. I burned my hand very badly. And this is a, and I think sometimes God does it in a, my wife said one time, somebody, she said, oh, I know your hand was healed. You know, like that wasn't much to that. But it was, it was. I burned it badly. And I prayed, and God healed it instantaneously. I could still see the, the blisters, but there was no pain. Now, that happened about 32 years ago, and I still remember that. Also, I have seen healings happen instantaneous. For, for instance, uh, Patsy Brown, I don't know if you remember Patsy in this body, but she had what you call myosemia gravis. And uh, she had a lazy eye and, and headaches and, and several things that took place. And um, one afternoon, an elder and I prayed for her, and she was healed instantaneously. Uh, Lee Tesh, who is a member of this body, he had the worst form of leukemia that you could ever have. And uh, uh, Perry Mobley had just preached on healing uh, the night before, and, and uh, Lee called him up and said, do you believe what you preached? He said, I'm the first candidate. I think he was the first person that was ever prayed for in this church for healing, laying hands on. Do you know if that's true, Bob? I don't, I, I'm not sure, but I, that's what I understood. And he came, and he was healed, and he's still alive today, and that was almost 20 years ago. And so that has happened. Uh, Buck Malcolm's wife, Marilyn, had an ovarian cyst, and she was prayed for, and the cyst left. And so there have been instances of that. I think we need to realize that there is a purpose for God's supernatural activity. 
And it's not just that we will be free of pain or that we will uh, be, uh, you know, happy or content or all of that or prosperous or whatever you call it. But let's look at John 14. John, I didn't intend to take so long to tell those stories, but there must be a reason for that. I was going to go over that much quicker, so we won't get as far tonight, but maybe there's a reason for that. Let's look at John 14, verse 13. Beginning in John 14, verse 13. And whatever. <laughs> That's kind of extreme, isn't it? <laughs> i tell you there are things in the Bible I wouldn't believe if they weren't in the Bible. <laughs> that's true. I wouldn't. Just up to me, I wouldn't believe it. But it's here. And you know, that's what you have to deal with. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Not that you will be comforted. Not that you will be encouraged. Not that your faith will increase. That will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, what does in my name mean? When it says, if you ask anything in my name. Authority. That's right. It means authority. Just like if, if I gave you a check for $1,000 and you went to my bank, to cash it. You might not have any money in that bank. And if you presented a check for $1,000, they would say, I'm sorry, you don't have any money in this bank. But if I gave you a check for $1,000 and I signed my name, then you would get the $1,000. Um, not, Lindy, because you did everything right either, you see. You would do it because of the authority that I've given you. In other words, I might give Dan a check for $1,000. That was... I'll say, you know, take me up. But you see, uh, he might, um, you know, he might rip the check or he might do something that would not be exactly how he ought to keep the check. I'm having a hard time with analogy here. But he would not do, it, it would not depend on what he did what I'm trying to say. It would depend on my authority. Now that's part of it. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. But it's a little bit more than that. It's not just that Jesus has the authority. Because you see, we don't use God. We don't use God. And we don't say, oh goody, I've got the name of Jesus. So I can run out here and I can dictate what God does. So there is the, the element of authority, but it's more than that. And I asked the Lord to, to show me what in the name of Jesus means. And if you'll turn to Philippians chapter 2 over in the New Testament, I think we get a clue as to what this means if you ask anything in my name I will do it. Philippians chapter 2 which is called the Gnosis passage in the New Testament and the, the, the passage where Jesus emptied himself. 
Um, and let's begin in verse 5 of Philippians 2. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. You could read the authority which is above every authority. That at the authority of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's not that you just get the authority and you can just use it like a toy. I've got it. I believe it. So I can go out here and I can stand on it. Now that's part of it. But there's another dimension. You've got to do what Jesus did. We have that mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And what did he do? He emptied himself of himself. And he became obedient even to the point of death. And then God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. And that's how he gives it to you. That's how he gives it to you. That's how you get it. That, that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So there is the dimension of the Lordship of Christ. It's not just trusting in a proposition. It's not just having a certain amount of trust. But it's the fact that you've done what Jesus has done. You have emptied yourself. And you have become obedient. And there is that dimension in it. So you have to go back to John understanding that. You know the Bible uh, explains itself. And I've known a lot of people that get, you know, when they read this, this verse in John 14, 13, where it says, if you ask anything in my name, then they ask something and they don't get it and they say, well, the Bible must not be true. But when it says in my name, you have to understood, understand what my name means. And it means recognizing that it is a supernatural authority you don't possess. And also recognizing it's the working out of the Lordship of Jesus in your life. And when that happens, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Notice what's right next, right next to that. That's John 13 and 14. Hear that quote a lot. Don't hear 15 quoted. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, God has a sense of humor. And... Uh, 
I'm not going to go into this because it's none of your business. <laughs> but I was tempted uh, a few years ago, and I was in a town where nobody knew me, and I was riding down the street, and I was entertaining this temptation. And I saw a great big Roman Catholic church. And there, graven in stone on the front of that church was, if you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God protects you. I mean he will. And it's, it's funny how he does it sometimes. But part of this Taking the authority with the Lordship of Jesus has to do with keeping his commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another help, helper, a comforter, a paraclete. That's the Greek word. Para, meaning beside, uh, one who, paraclete being one who runs alongside of you. I will give you the power the same power of Jesus who when he emptied himself, he got that name. Now when you ask me anything with that emptying of yourself, then I will do it. Now the only problem is that he doesn't say when he will do it. So it's not as simple as saying, well, okay, if, if I have the authority and then I have this uh, dimension of lordship and I have emptied myself to him, then anything I get, I ask, I will get right now. Didn't say right now. But it says you will get it. Now, <clears throat> that is sort of the background that I want to lay as we get into what the scripture says about healing. And I want to spend just a minute telling you how you can be a healer. How you can appropriate those verses in John and how you can empty yourself. You know, it says that we are, we receive the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And the Comforter gives us two things. He gives us the personality of Jesus and he gives us the power of Jesus. The personality of Jesus and the power of Jesus. Look in Galatians 5, 5th chapter of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, <clears throat> kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I think to utilize this promise of God in the area of healing, you need the personality of Jesus. I think you need to manifest. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then the fruits of that Spirit are going to flow out from you. Bill Rabel is a retired surgeon 
in this town. And I have never seen the fruits of the Holy Spirit manifested in any one person like I see in that man. And uh, he was my doctor. And I would go by for periodic checkups, but I didn't really care whether he touched me physically or not. When I walked in that man's office, I felt the peace of the Lord. He just radiated the peace of the Lord. I recently met a very godly psychiatrist here in town. His name is Ibrahim. He's an Egyptian. He's the same way. One of the most humble, one of the most open men. He looks at you and you think that he thinks you're the greatest person who ever lived. He just has that way. I think that's what happened with Jesus. You know that compassion I felt with Cora in the hospital and with a lady that had the hemorrhage? I just felt this, this compassion just flow out. Now that's the personality of Jesus. And that provides the way. That opens the way. And it's the love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness, temperance as it comes out. Then I believe that's what people saw when they saw Jesus. You say, they said everybody that Jesus ministered to got healed. Well, it wasn't just that he came up and in the name of God or in the authority. He didn't, it wasn't that. It was when they saw him, they saw God. They saw love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness. And then he exerted the power. And so we need not only the personality of Jesus when the comforter comes in, but we need the power of Jesus. Now, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we will see the power of Jesus. He not only had the personality of God, but he had the power of God. And um, we can have this manifested power of the Holy Spirit. And it is a supernatural power. It is not a natural power. Now, it parallels natural things. But it is a supernatural power, beginning in chapter 12, verse, um, well, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts. Now, gifts is English. The word is pneumaticoi, and it means spiritualities or things of the spirit. The word gift is, is not real good, but that's what's in most of the translations. Now there are spiritualities, varieties of spiritualities, but it is the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Now that's not talking about just worldly wisdom. That's the wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge 
according to the same spirit. Not just worldly knowledge like you get out of a book. To another faith by the same spirit. Now that is supernatural faith. To another gifts of healing by the one spirit. To another effecting of miracles. Now why do you think it says miracles and healings? Why does it say that? Why did you say healing? I told you most healing is gradual. And I think gifts of healings, that is gradual healing that comes through the impartation. To another, miracles, instantaneous healing. To another prophecy. To another the distinguishing or discernment of spirits. I believe that's evil spirits. Where You see, the discernment of, of good spirits comes through wisdom and knowledge. The discernment of evil spirit comes through this discernment it's talking about. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. Everybody gets bent out of shape on tongues. You know. But what is the difference between a supernatural tongue and a supernatural knowledge? In other words, there are things that are revealed to me sometimes about a person when I'm dealing with them. And that enables me to know how to deal with them. It's a supernatural thing. It's not natural. Neither is a tongue. So you, you don't need to separate the tongue from the other things here. And so you have those. Now, what I want to say here is that, um, and I'm running out of time, the thing I want to end with is that when you flow in the personality and the power of Jesus. When you flow through the authority and the Lordship, then you do it the same way Jesus did it. When Jesus was on the earth, he had all the limitation you have. He emptied himself. He gave it all up. A lot of times we think that when Jesus, for instance, when he saw the man Nathaniel, and he said, Behold Nathaniel, an Israelite in whom there is no God. We just think, well, he, you know, he just knew that because he was God. No. That was the gift of wisdom. That was supernatural wisdom. And Jesus did it the same way you do it. And you can do it the same way Jesus did it. So we're going to have to stop with that. But I want you to think about that. And I want you to go home and take the second chapter of Philippians and read that and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what happened to Jesus. That Jesus actually took on all of your limitations. See, I don't believe that Jesus knew He was going to rise from the dead. Naturally. He knew it supernaturally, but it wasn't because He was God. It was because he had a supernatural revelation and he believed it. But he didn't know he was going to rise from the dead any more than you would have. And on the cross when he cried out in agony, that was the struggle with the carnal flesh. The ultimate struggle that was a much deeper struggle than you and I ever have. Because he never sinned. But why did he never sin? Not because... He cheated and had a little bit of divinity. But because he relied completely on the supernatural personality of the Holy Spirit and power of the Holy Spirit. And if you did that, you wouldn't sin either. But you do.
We, we cannot do this completely. But as we apply this, then we are used the same way Jesus was used. And we heal people the same way he did. Now, let's pray for a minute before we close here. And uh, I would tonight I feel led to just pray for somebody for healing and let you all watch me as I pray for this person for healing. Uh, so that, you know, might learn. Uh, so is there anyone that wants to be prayed for that would like me to pray for your healing? I'm not me, but Patsy Graham, I just, she had her gallbladder surgery today. Oh, she did? I told her, I told her well, uh, we'll pray for that before we go, but is there somebody here that would like me to lay hands on you and pray? She's got a hand and ribs keep starting for a while, then a fracture close to her ribs. All right, well, let's do that. Let's do that. Give me a wake at night. All right, now. I want you, um, David, I'll let you go. Now, Patsy wants to pray for her wrist. That's right here. Did you, did you injure it? Yes, yes. I was trying to arthritis and it hurts. All right, and it hurts from time to time. Hurt the Yes. All right, now, we, that's talking about the cross event, about what happened to Jesus as he sacrificed for us, then the Holy Spirit can come into us. So I anoint her in the form of a cross, and that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, she not only will be saved, but she will be healed. Now, what we normally do is, so often, and I, what I normally do so often, is just go right ahead and pray for her wrist. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask the Lord if there's anything else he wants me to pray for. And so I'm going to do that. Father, in the name of Jesus, Patsy has asked for this arthritic condition where she had her, her wrist fractured and it still hurts sometime, Lord, in, in this condition. And Father, she asked us to pray for pray for it. Is there anything else you'd like me to pray for? And I would just ask you to reveal that to me and let me know. <coughs> now, while I was praying, I don't know if this is God or not, and we don't always know. I got the word exercise. Now, maybe I just thought of the word exercise. Does exercise mean anything to you, particularly? All right. Now, when I get a thought like that, that, that I would not normally think of, don't have any reason to, I will try to incorporate that in my prayer or in what I say. And I might say to you, Patsy, do you get regular exercise? Yes. You do? Yes. You are exercising. Walking's one of them. It's what uh -huh. the doctor prescribes. Uh -huh. okay. Well, I, I got exercise from the Lord, and I would say this. I think that's important mm -hmm. in your in your healing. He said no running, no jogging on county in here, but he said yeah. walking would be okay. Right. Well, then I guess maybe he wanted to remind you of that. And so okay. let's just pray, and I'll just tell you I, that's what came to me. Yeah. And... Um, 
So let's pray. Also, uh, you laid hands on me year, about two years ago in the middle of prayer and praise. I came in with a backache mm -hmm. and stood up and was healed instantly with an hour after the service had done ended. Mm -hmm. Got in the bed and slept all night long. The last two or three years, I've had no more backache plus two discs in the middle of the hallelujah course. Last year, popped back in place and muscles in my back build up. No more trouble with it. Give it. Uh, Patsy has been healed and she believes in your healing. And Lord, evidently you want to remind her about exercise. And so, Lord, I've done that. I've tried to be faithful to that. And now in the name of Jesus, Father, we just ask you to take away this pain in this wrist. And we ask you through your power, Father, to eradicate that pain and do whatever healing is necessary, Lord, in uh, the bones or the calcium in the bones or the joints so that this healing will take place, Father. Just like, Lord, you healed her back. Just like, Lord, you are healing her ears. We ask you to heal the wrist in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now, I think you need to know that my hand is getting a little warm, not a lot. Sometimes it gets very warm. Gets getting a little warm. And uh, I just wanted to say that because I used to poo-poo that and think there was nothing to that, but I found out that that, that sometimes is a sign and it's, it's remaining there. And um, so, Father, we just thank you and I pray that you would visit the healing in her wrist as we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, do you notice any difference in the wrist? There's no pain. There's no pain? There's no pain. Really? Doesn't Now, I was in a hurry because we were out of time. I would have used David more in that. You see, now she got, and I said the thing about exercise, she got that. I didn't get that. You got the same thing. All right, well, you see, I didn't get that. That's the reason. The Bible says do it two by two. Because sometimes the person doing it with you will get something you don't get. And so, but what I'm saying is, don't just when somebody comes has a headache or has something, don't just pray right then. But just pause and ask the Lord what He wants you to pray. And whatever. And and some I've gotten some things sometime and I'll say, you know, does this make no anything? And and I never have known that was the Lord. But um, Bible says God looks on the outward appearance, the Lord looks on the heart. And if your heart's right, you might make a mistake. But it won't hurt anything. And uh, you'd be amazed at, at what God does. Well, good night. Same time, same station next week. <laughs>